because the real world bores you. Thank you, Jackie, 17 in Chicago. This is MuggleCast episode 44 for June 18th, 2006. Your number one source for all your internet needs, GoDaddy.com has new domain names, transfers, and renewals for as low as $1.99. Plus, check out their hosting plans, website builders, secure certificates, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code HARRY, that's H-A-R-R-Y, when you check out and save an additional $5 off any order of $30 or more. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Guess who's back? Who? Back again. Who? Andrew's back. Me? <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> Everybody down to the Sims dance floor. To the dance floor. <laughs> oh, brings back a bad memory of last year. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Thanks, self, to the show. I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I am Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And back for an encore this week is Matthew Vines of Veritaserum.com, joining us for another fantastic episode. Welcome, Matt. Hi. <laughs> Are you pumped to be back? I know this is this is a new kind of a medium for you. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I can feel it in everyone's voices. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go anywhere else, uh, Micah Tannenbaum is back to his normal self this week, so let's check in with him for the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Forbes magazine has published their annual top 100 list of the world's most powerful celebrities, and J.K. Rowling has come in at number 19, three places ahead of last year's ranking. The excerpt from the magazine read, One of the few billionaires on our list, J.K. Rowling is preparing to close the book on her Harry Potter series. The next installment, the seventh in the series, is rumored to be her last, although she'll continue to write and will likely explore other parts of the Potter milieu. Worldwide sales of the Potter books have topped 300 million copies worldwide. The Goblet of Fire was last year's highest-grossing film, with a worldwide box office take of $892 million. Since last year, Joe has accumulated an estimated $75 million. Forbes says celebrities must have a combination of earnings and sizzle to acquire a coveted place on the list. HarryPotter.com has been updated with details about the pre-recorded play starring Dan Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, and Matthew Lewis to be shown at the Queen's 80th birthday party. As part of the event, Dan, Rupert, Emma, and Matt will appear in character as Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville in a film segment on the Gryffindor common room set, recommending a spell for the palace to use in order to apprehend a thief. It is this spell that ultimately leads to them catching the crook. And a few months ago, mother of four Laura Mallory filed several complaints against all six Harry Potter books, saying they included evil themes, witchcraft, demonic activity, murder, evil blood sacrifice, spells, and teaching children all of this. Even though she hasn't read any of the books because they're too long, or just because she can't read, she noted that it would be difficult for children to distinguish between the fantastical events in the books and real life and attempted to have them removed from school libraries in Gwinnett County, Georgia. On April 20th, scores of educators, parents, and students showed their support for the books in a public hearing, and both the local school and system media committees concurred. In fact, the support for the books remaining in school libraries was so strong that hearing officer Sue Ellen Bray offered 10 reasons why they shouldn't be removed. And on May 11th, the Gwinnett County Board of Education voted that the novels should stay. Mallory did appeal the decision on Friday in the Legal Services Division of the Georgia Department Department of Education will now determine the next step in this debate. Finally, I did not do the news last week. Ben filled in for me while I was in Las Vegas, so you guys can stop emailing me and telling me that I pronounced Thames wrong during the segment. Because it wasn't me. That's all the news for this June 18th, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. 
Have a happy Father's Day. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. No problem. What if it is a problem? How much work does it take to do that news every week? Um, usually it takes about, I don't know, like 15 or 20 minutes. Ah, that's not bad. Then when he asks you to do it in 10, it takes 30. I usually try and edit it a little bit. Right. So you don't have to do as much. All right, so moving along, let's get to some announcements. Uh, oh, first of all, sorry that I wasn't here this or last week. I know it was earth-shattering. Like, it's never been done before. Like, when you think MangoCast, you think Andrew Sims. It, it was a big relief is what it was. But <laughs> <laughs> to you it was, Ben, but some people actually love me. Like who? Example? I don't know. I don't know. Some people say they, they like me. Okay, cool. National Wear Your MuggleCast T-Shirt Day picks are now online. Well, we mentioned this last week, but um, I am slowly gathering more pictures and putting them up. And we have the contest winners this week. We were supposed to announce them last week, but apparently nothing gets done when I'm not here. Okay, you didn't give them to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, the five winners who have already been emailed, and they're going to be receiving their Lumos T-Shirts within the next one to two weeks. Jessica Gordon... Lucas, Becca Daniels, quote-unquote Disney Dan. He never gave me his real name, although I didn't check his email. <laughs> <laughs> That's just his email address. And Casey Stroud, so congrats to all of you. Thanks for wearing your T-shirts on National Wear MuggleCast T-shirt day. Overall success, very much. Did you guys talk about it on the show last week? Oh, yeah. Did I you think it's got to suck, Andrew. It, it, it really has to. Everybody who entered that contest and didn't win has been uh, PWN'd by a man named Disney Dan. Oh. <laughs> Disney Dan. <laughs> Send all your emails to Disney Dan. Disney Dan boned you. Yeah, well, we got some really cool pictures. We got um, someone took their picture with uh, Harry and the Potters. Someone uh, took their picture with the mayor of Hon- Honolulu, and that was pretty cool to see. Um, a lot of a lot of someone stooped low and took their picture with Eric's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Eric, tell everyone yeah. how that happened. That's really like, did you just happen to run into them? He was looking for them. Were you? Who are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, I put an ad in the local paper. <laughs> Does anybody listen to Mogo? No. Uh, there's actually a picture which I don't think is in the gallery, uh, which is us in front of the pagoda, which is uh, Reading, Pennsylvania's, I guess, claim to fame. It's their national, or at least. Citywide landmark, uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. There's a picture of us. I guess it's on uh, my photo bucket, which you can look up the link uh, for later. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, basically, I just no. I know them. Actually, one of them. They both went to my school, my high school. Actually, there's three of them: uh, Marissa, Sarah, and Trish. And they went to my high school, and they know me kind of. Uh, and I actually work with Sarah now at the movie theater. So we just said, let's go up to the Pagoda and oh. take some pictures. Because I thought the way they and... phrased it in their email, they were saying, oh, uh, we just happened to run into <laughs> I guess I read it wrong. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I didn't want them to say that, you know, Eric orchestrated the whole thing and then therefore they wouldn't get <laughs> right. in the gallery because right. it was like cheating or some crap like that. Cheating. Remember, even though National Wear Your Muggle Cast T-shirt day has ended, it is never ever too late to buy yourself at least 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> 11 more. A big, big thanks goes to Sam and Nate of samandnate.com. We don't thank them enough when we really should be. They provide all the t-shirt designs and get the orders shipped out to everyone, and they're helping us out with a couple of projects, so we can't thank them enough. samandnate.com for all of your t-shirt needs. Check them out today. Ding. But if you happen to want... Uh, some pants that say uh, MogoCast on them, you can go over to uh, nateandsam.com. 
for uh-huh. all your, your muggle cast uh-huh. uh, denims khakis. Uh-huh. That was such pads. a bad joke. <laughs> 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 Let's move on to this week's listener rebuttals. Okay. Our first listener rebuttal comes from Carmen, 21, from New Jersey, Andrew's home state. Ew. <laughs> During the discussion of the prophecy, the question of whether Trelawney was a true seer or not came up. It was implied that she was a half-seer, or that those two were her only true prophecies, and other than her trances, she's just a kook. I'd beg to differ. I think that Trelawney is a true seer in spite of herself. It seems to me that whenever she proclaims anything, it more or less comes true. When she saw the Grim in Harry's cup, it was a Grim, generally speaking. I mean a large black dog. If she had known that Sirius Black was an animagus, her interpretation would have been would have probably been Sirius Black is going to kill you instead of it's an omen of death. In book six she says that when she she read the tarot cards, she kept getting the lightning struck tower, and we all know how that turned out. So I believe that her problem is more in the way of interpretation. She sees glimpses of the future and as she obviously has a somewhat melodramatic nature. She she interprets things that to her makes the most sense, which unfortunately for her ends up sounding very ridiculous. I also think that she very consciously makes up stuff to add to the drama, so to speak. I have no doubt that she has the gift, and when she reads crystal balls, tea leaves, cards, that she truly sees the message held there, however badly she mangles it up in translation. Very good point, Carmen. Because you know, none. Of, I was the only one that was on the show last week. Yeah, actually, you know, that we was in this group, yeah. and it was interesting because we talked about we talked about prophecies and how and how the prophecy, how Trelawney, you know, it seems to us like she only made two real prophecies throughout the series. But she's making the point that when she does make predictions, in general, they do become true, and prophecies aren't the only accurate predictions there can be. So thanks for clear, thanks for bringing that up, Carmen. I thought that uh, she was not really a true seer, and that any like something like the Grim and being you know serious blacks and images for him. I thought that was a uh, a J.K. Rowling kind of it's kind of funny type thing. Um, but if, if Trelawney were a true seer, I don't think she'd need to make anything up. Like for for added drama, if Trelawney was very that you know that much confident in, in herself. Uh, and and her seer skills, she wouldn't need to make anything up. And with a great Anne or whoever, like uh, what was it, Cassandra or Trelawney or her her seer uh, relation there with with this this famous seer in in her family, you'd think that she would have been trained by the best. But somehow we have this this kook like Trelawney. I I really don't think that Trelawney is. I I don't know if the question's about her translation that works too. But I think there's is actually a lacking of power in addition to understanding. I don't know. I think that Trelawney is sort of the equivalent of a squib in the seer realm, where you know she can do a little but not very much, and when she does things, it's not really in her control, and she doesn't know what she's doing. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think she has some seeing powers, but. Not a lot. Yeah, I like that. Next rebuttal comes from Stephanie, 19 of Massachusetts. <laughs> she writes, Hi, everyone. Last episode, you discussed prophecies and whether or not they were all fulfilled. On page 510 of Half-Blood Prince, U.S. edition, Dumbledore said, If Voldemort had never heard the prophecy, would it have been fulfilled? Would it have meant anything? Of course not. Do you think every prophecy in the Hall of Prophecies has been fulfilled? So, all of the prophecies aren't fulfilled. Love the show. Because we talked about 
are are prophecies destined to come true? Like, absolutely. And we overlooked the fact what Dumbledore said. But he never actually said that they haven't been fulfilled. But, he, but that's a question. Applied. Do you have to hear it for it to come true? Because if Dumbledore said that, you know, not all of them have to come true, then it would make sense that he's saying, you like, one of the people involved has to hear it to, like, act on it for it to come true? Like, do you get it? I get it, but I would imagine someone has to hear it. Like, if neither of the... But what happens when someone outside of the prophecy hears it? Well, they tell somebody who's in the prophecy, but I mean, that's the thing. If Dumbledore said that not all of them come true, then it makes sense that the only way for them to come true is if someone involved or someone who knows someone who's, you know, tells them. Like... In the case of Julius Caesar, you know, the guy walked right up to him and said, beware the eyes of Mark. You know, these are direct contact things. But, you know, so it makes sense that unless the person involved hears the prophecy, it won't come true. But that's that's weird. That doesn't sound right to me. That's it for listener rebuttal? Yes, that does wrap up. Yes. Must have been because last show was so good that people didn't have much to complain about. (laughs) (laughs) There There were no complaints. (laughs) I yeah. bet there were a hundred complaints, but Ben deleted them all. He's like, these are, oh. the only, these are the only two listener rebuttals that don't completely bash our dud last week. Did you call me Tanny? Tanny. <laughs> Tanny. I didn't call. I Tanny. never called you Tanny. I've called you Teabag, Tanny, but not Tanny. Teabag. And Mike Tan. And the Meister. I like Mike Tan. I, I like Mike Tan, too. It sounds like Ricky Tan. Just like in uh, in Rush Hour 2. Right, of course, for shower too. Yeah. What I've always aspired to yeah, be. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this week we are wrapping up chapter by chapter. <gasps> Source for book one. Right. Of Sorcerer's Stone, chapter seventeen, the man with two faces. We don't have as many notes as we normally do this week, um, so this chapter by chapter is going to be a little bit shorter. First, we're going to start off with Matt. He has a couple things to bring up. Okay. Well, I, this is just one of my favorite chapters in the entire series because it has. Some pretty awesome quotes in it. Five, I counted. Okay. Let's see. Number one. This one is not as awesome as the rest, but it's got a little funny story behind it. So, um, when Dumbledore tells Harry what happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret, so naturally the whole school knows. Okay. So it's kind of funny, but um, someone emailed me about that like three months ago, and they made out to be this really big mistake and they were like how can this be if it's a complete secret that the whole school knows yeah. <laughs> jk rowling messed up <laughs> book mistake yeah um okay number second line it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies but just as much to stand up to our friends i actually think that line could have been a little more powerful if she'd said but more to stand up to our friends but you know it's still good um then okay here's where we get to the really good ones when Coral says there's no good and evil, there's only power, and those too weak to seek it. That oh god, that's a horrible quote. No, it, yes, it, it, no, it's the, the worst quote. quote ever. Because you know why? Because every single book basher who bashes Harry Potter uses that to to make it seem like J.K.R. wrote that line for for Harry to believe. <laughs> yeah, it's, Everybody's it's okay. Like, they, oh, that's the, it's it, what. Yeah, but it's, it's what, a, it, it, the quote itself is great. I, I you know, I, I agree yes. with you. Just it's been misused. It's probably the most misused quote ever. It's a great quote, though. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's what embodies the philosophy of all evil in the entire series. You know, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, okay, number four. Actually, I should be going backwards because they're getting better. Okay, number two. <laughs> <laughs> when Dumbledore says, "After all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure." That's 
actually, I've seen that on a lot of people's Facebooks under favorite quotes. <laughs> but, well, and since a whole lot of the series, especially when you get to book four, is all about death and what happens to people afterwards, you know, with Sirius and the veil, I th- just think that's a great quote, especially once Dumbledore dies. You know, he doesn't yeah. even really care because it's the next great adventure. Actually, that might be number one. But number but number one is pretty good, too. Um, <laughs> when he says, fear of a name increases fear of the thing itself. Because that also comes up over and over and over again throughout the entire series. Was I the oh. one that was kind of mad that they gave that line to Hermione? No, that's a book mistake, too. That's another thing people point out. They're like, but Hermione said it when people say it was Dumbledore. And then they say, but Dumbledore said it when people quote Hermione. See, the deal is in the movie, Hermione says it in movie two. You know, she stands up to Jason Isaacs and says, fear of a name only increases fear of the things. And he's like, oh, you must be Hermione Granger. And then he, like, is all an asshole. Uh, But, in you know, that's the difference. In book – the quote was used in book one or movie two, and that's how it goes. In in book one, Dumbledore said it, but it didn't make it in the movie. And in book two, nobody said it, but Hermione did it. Well, there's no way they could include all of Dumbledore's great quotes in the movies, or they would be like six hours long. Well, right, but they did. It was just in the next movie, and that's where it gets a lot of people confused, and they think it's a mistake. I I ran book mistakes section uh, right with name origins when I first started working at MongoNet back in uh, 2002, before all of you were there. Oh, PWN, senior staff member. By definition. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you stayed at the caption contest yeah, was for four. how long? Uh, oh, yeah, three, <laughs> four years now. Um, it's actually, I, I think it was 42 months, and now it's ending because I go to Europe. Who's taking it over? Uh, well, nobody. It's it's just, it's a it's postponed until I come back. Well, I was just going to say, it's a little off topic, but I, I immediately made the connection earlier today. Um, Bill Gates announced today that he was stepping down from Microsoft because Microsoft's a terrible company and he can't stand working there anymore. And um, the one thing <laughs> did he really say that though? No, I'm but sure I'm sure those he's were thinking, his exact. He, he's thinking that I swear it. Um, one thing that he says in his reasoning for why he's you know leaving, he says, "I believe with great wealth comes great responsibility." And it's funny. Oh come on! Yeah, I know that man has nothing better to do than to sit down in front of a seventy bajillion inch TV screen and watch Spider Man and like smoke pot. You know, which he gets legally through some medical contract that he paid he's off Bill the doctors. Gates. He's Bill Gates, okay? He, it's not like he's going to say to himself, you know what, my software has so many bugs and not enough patches, and we're never going to catch up to the ratio. <laughs> okay, how about this quote? It's, it's, it's from Voldemort, and he says, I have form only when I can share another's body. And I thought that was interesting because at the end of the first book, you already have the foreshadowing to all the Horcruxes. Wait, how does that how does that foreshadow? It does, yeah. When wow. I can share a body, I only have form when I can share a body. Well, no, because he gets a body of his own then. But no, he's ta- he's not even talking about human bodies necessarily, but just other things that he puts himself in. Yeah, because he possesses snakes too. He does, and later on he tells about that. Um, but what does foreshadow Horcruxes is uh, when Dumbledore is talking to Harry in the hospital wing. And he says, um, you know, he will, he may be delayed, and it will take somebody uh, else who is prepared to fight what seems to be a losing battle or whatever. But yeah, Dumbledore tells Harry, without being truly dead, or without being truly alive, he cannot be killed. That's the foreshadowing moment. So it says that that Voldemort's not actually truly alive, which hints on the fact that he's just got pieces of his soul. You know, that his soul's in fragments. It's not really – he's not really living. 
And actually, I think that's one of the coolest things about rereading the first book at this point is it's I know. just riddled with foreshadowing all throughout yeah. it that you can't even tell after you read right. the other we books. Were, we were saying that a couple episodes ago, and can you just imagine, like, once we read book seven, we're going to be picking up on more of this, and we're going to be like, ah, oh, how come I didn't it's see that? Because it's really impressive. Well, I was just remuggling that today. I was remuggling that today, the first time in, like, two years, um, on the main page. I'm joking. And... <laughs> On the updates bar, <laughs> Micah left. <laughs> I should feel special. Uh, on the updates bar, it says uh, book um, endings updated or, or plot plot loops, I think it is, plot holes, or what needs to be answered. Anyway, something like that. It's on the updates margin. Everybody go look and overload the site. Anyway, I, the, it's all the questions that Joe needs to answer, and I was thinking, well, you know what? She's got the answer for all of these questions, or at least let's hope she does. But not only that, but she's known it before she created the question. She knew the answer before she created the potential for us to ask these questions. Isn't that amazing? Well, she did plan it for five years. Wait, are you, are you saying she didn't? She wasn't aware of the trend uh, that was going to happen with Harry Potter. So, but she knew the answers anyway. What I'm saying is she knows the answers to to all these questions, and it's interesting because I thought, well, given what Book Six left us. Um, how would I, being J.K.R., uh, write, you know, the seventh book at all? Where would I begin? There's so many questions to answer. And then I realized, well, hey, uh, it actually says added new book seven loose ends on the updates page. But there's all these questions here about, you know, uh, who who is R.A.B. and what bad memory was Dudley forced to encounter when he was attacked by the Dementors in Order of the Phoenix? Questions like these, she has the answers to. She wrote all this stuff in knowing ahead of time what needed to be answered, like what things were. That's the whole process of foreshadowing, is knowing the answers before you create the questions. And I just think Joe is so full of it. I mean, full of that. Full of... (laughs) Full of it? (laughs) Wow. Full of the answers, I mean. And it's amazing. That's part of what makes the books really, really good. Yeah, it really is. Is that everything was planned out before she even wrote the first chapter. And you'd like to think that she knew a lot of... And it's amazing. Some things catch her off guard, but I think the majority of it was already written down because there were so many years where she wrote notes on napkins yes. before she continued – before she She did started. not write notes on napkins. She, yes, she, she did. did. She, so she, she said that there were those stories. Yes. What? She's not – no, no. The rumor is that she wrote the entire first well, book on true. napkins. Oh, no. I, I think, and that's not I true. I think that's not true. And she, she shot that down, but she did make notes. She, okay. Well, she said she was offended that people were saying that she wrote the first book on napkins. That's how, that's how poor she was. She was not that poor. Yeah, she was. No, she wasn't. Haven't you read this? She had, she had to steal them from the dumpster oh, at McDonald's, God. Oh, dude. God. <laughs> Benjamin. <No. laughs> I'm just making it up, Matt. Jeez. Dumpster diving Joe. No, come on. If she heard that, think how she would feel. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> that's, that's the title for this week, Dumpster Diving <laughs> Joe. No, I like Joe's full of it better. <laughs> <laughs> full of the answers, people. So anyway, There's no fat oh, lady. Oh, ne- neither was. No. Uh, never mind. What, Andrewless? <laughs> jo- Joe's three wishes. Oh, hey, wasn't that your? Oh no, that was my brilliant joke. I forgot. Sorry. I don't know. It was okay. Andrewless was the best. <laughs> Andrewless was clever. Andrew- never mind. Uh, <laughs> so is that it? Are we done? Um, Wait, I found else? a better quote. Oh, okay, okay, cool. I found a quote that trumps all of the other quotes. It's this something is- that Quirrell says. Okay, Ooh. check this out. He says. I need to examine this interesting mirror. Isn't that great? You're losing your touch, Matt Vines. 
Care to elaborate? That was definitely an Eric quote there. It was a joke. Oh. Oh, that was a joke. <laughs> Interesting mirror. <laughs> end of cha- bo- woo. End of book one, chapter by chapter. Woo. Yay, everyone close their books. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Now, now I'll send out an email to all the listeners who stopped listening after we started chapter by chapter. Tell them, tell them they can come back now. <laughs> it's okay. It's safe to come back. <laughs> so we're going to take a little break, a little hiatus, and uh, do some other stuff. On on chapter by chapter, not not MuggleCast. No, on chapter by chapter. It's not... <laughs> okay, so moving on now to our main discussion this week, written by... Ben Shane, so he'll be uh, he'll be handling this one. <laughs> so you know it's crap. Character discussions are back again. This week we will be discussing Percy Weasley. The one and only Percy Weasley. Okay, just first to start off, a little bit of general information about Mr. Percy Weasley. His middle name is Ignatius. What well, I don't know how you say it. Someone correct me. He is boy. He was born on August twenty second, nineteen seventy six, to Molly and Arthur Weasley. His house, of course, is Gryffindor. His distinguishing characteristics are that he's tall and thin, with the standard Weasley red hair. Percy has horn rimmed glasses and a permanent air of smugness and self importance. We first hear of him in Chapter Six of Sorcerer's Stone. But however, it's important to think to remember. What happened at the and what happened in Order of the Phoenix when there was a parting of the ways between Percy and his family? Do you guys ever think that we'll see that Percy will ever see the error in his ways and reconcile the differences that he has with his family? I think so, because now. But what about what happened in Book Six, though, when Molly Molly was crying and he had some seasoning splattered all over him or whatever? He because he okay he paid a visit around Christmas he went there, and um, while while they were outside discussing well okay well he went to the house and Rufus Scrimgeour the new Minister of Magic was outside talking to Harry to try to convince him you know to be on the Ministry side talk them up a bit, and while they were outside discussing, personally he was talking to his family, and we don't really know what went on but. It ended with Percy splattered in mashed parsnip and Molly Weasley crying. Do you guys think that he'll ever be able to fix the problems that he's having with his family, or will he, you know, remain an arrogant prick? So I think something's going to happen in Book 7 that's going to require the Weasley family to bring them all together. Well, maybe I think the mashed... I think the mashed parsnip is particularly significant because did you know that uh, when picking wild vegetables, poison hemlock can be easily be mistaken for parsnip? I think that's going to have something to do with some parallels in Book Seven. That's true. No, it was it was another. Never, never, it was a joke. I never really thought of it that way. Wait, are you Thank guys being you. sarcastic, or did you not get that that was a joke? No, I get it. Now. I got that it was a joke because you, you guys <laughs> didn't get the last one. Well, so just checking. This is a bad joke, sir. Guy. Fine, edit it so, out. So, Eric, <laughs> Eric, tell me, will Percy see the error in his ways and fix the problems with his parents and the rest of his family? I think now that uh, now that Voldemort, you know, is out in the open, and now that uh, now that Dumbledore is dead, and Percy really can't keep denying it, 
there will be a, a long period where Percy's just kind of like, whatever, and all angsty. But eventually, I think they'll repair the connection. I think his family will be very open uh, to forgiveness, considering it makes the world go round, or at least their world go round. Um, and they'll be interested in keeping all their family members close. So I, I think, yes, they will. Uh, Percy will be like, yeah, kind. Of, I was kind of adult, sorry. And they'll be like, you know, no problem, we forgive you. He'll be like, uh, I kind of want to apologize. But yeah, sure, come on in. You know, right? Because right now the Wizarding World is is at war, and you know Molly's gonna want to have all her children. You know, she doesn't want to. We would if Percy died while they were still mad at each other, or you know, it'd be, that would be she'd worse. Be well, well, not only upset. that. I mean, he can. He can't deny it. You know, before he could have kind of gone his own way and seen his whole family as, you know, it was much easier for him to see his whole family as nuts than, you know, deny the government he trusted in or whatever. But now it's all going to hell, and, and really he's just got to realize that. And if he's – I liked Percy. Before he split up with the family, he was a good character. And, you know, Fred and George were slightly unfair to him here and there, but it was enjoyable. It was all in good fun. But now he's like this complete jackass. I just, if Percy's got any ounce of sense, and if J.K.R. wants to do justice to his character, I think he'd be a smart enough guy to finally admit when he's wrong, when it's sitting on his face. I think he'll finally admit that he's wrong, and I think they'll take him in. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Well, well, what did you think about the whole idea that Percy and Arthur staged this whole thing? That's crap. That's that's completely I, – I really – I don't know. That's like Dumbledore asking Arthur, will you uh, go to bed with your wife? Be quiet, Micah. What? Um, you know, night after night and have her – no, will, will, you, will you put through, put up with going to bed every night and hearing your wife sobbing herself to sleep because of Percy? Can you stand that? For two years, or however however long this may last, Arthur, you know, will you stage this whole thing? And and I'm sure Molly would have begged him to tell her if, if it was staged. You know, please, Arthur, I'll understand. You know, can Molly really not be trusted? Uh, or or is it that Molly needs to believe it's true if it's a fake? Because then the family needs to believe it's true to be a fake. But what good would come of staging it? That's what I was wondering. It's a really weak theory. No, nothing good would come of it. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's something that I've heard out there before. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was just something that was out there. People thought that that's why Percy had that sudden change in personality, that he was actually working for Dumbledore and was just trying to get information out of the minister. It's important to bring up that there are some similarities between Percy and Tom Riddle. Things like that they're both very ambitious and that they're both former head boys and that they also both disregard their families in an attempt to seize power. So it raises the question, what side do you think that Percy is really I think that's a bad example because there are so many conclusions you can draw between Harry and Voldemort, but they're not the same people. I was just going to say that. You can draw so many conclusions between Harry and Voldemort that that's really not a good basis for, I mean... Yeah, well, Harry's family sucks too. Well, right, but Harry's already proven his allegiance to the Order. Percy hasn't. So What's that mean? Do you think that he – which side yeah, is he on? Is he a Death Eater? Is he a member of the Order of the Phoenix? I don't think Percy's a Death Eater. That's getting – I think Percy will go on whatever side requires most paperwork, which actually probably means a good side. 
Because the dark side now is tur- no. This is a good analysis. They don't. They don't keep their. The records, dark side do doesn't keep their <laughs> records. They don't do their homework. They just go in blasting guns a blazing or wands a blazing. They don't really do anything. So I think uh, Percy would have more fun on the good side actually doing paperwork. See, up until now, the government's been kind of like this neutral area for Percy. I think it's not the good side nor the dark side. It's the side that runs the government. It's the side that runs the people who are torn between the good side and the dark side. But now the government's gone. Now it's either good or bad. Okay, and if Percy actually was a Death Eater, he would be closer to his family. No, but here, 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 because if he was a Death Eater, Voldemort want him to be closer to his family because then he'd be able to relay information from Arthur and Molly, who are both members of the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not comfortable thinking of Percy as either a good nor a bad guy. Put it this way. He was so up uh, – what was it? Fudge's butt or it was it – was, uh, one of those guys <laughs> – Crouch. Crouch. Thank you. It was Mr. Crouch this, Mr. Crouch that. Uh, why are we not to believe that it's uh, Mr. Scrimgeour this and Mr. Scrimgeour that now? I mean, of course, he, he doesn't say that to the Weasleys because he doesn't talk to them, but I'm just thinking he'd be interested in authority. And put it this way, if Scrimgeour is not a Death Eater, I don't think Percy's going to be because Percy really cares about whatever authority is is you know in position. And unless Percy loses his faith in government, he's still going to stay on the government side, which actually is now Harry's side. Right, and he seems to be the type that is all about following the rules, you know. You're one in the halls after dark, I'm a prefect, you know, that type of stuff. And so that makes sense for him to be on the good side just because he's a law-abiding Well, and also, even though parallels exist between him and Voldemort, they're they're very different. Because even though they're both very ambitious, they're ambitious for different reasons. Percy is ambitious because he has all these brothers he's competing with, and he wants to be better than them. And... And but Voldemort is just ambitious because he wants to have power, and well, Percy also is lusting for power, but a different kind, like the political power, not the going to your house and killing you. Yeah, well, some politicians want that absolute but. power. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. I see Percy as less of a person who's trying to live up to the expectations of his brothers. I think that's wrong. Like that that's Ron. Definitely in book one that's Ron. I think Percy is more of the guy who realizes that he has what? Six five brothers and a sister. He's got this huge family. He's got five brothers and a sister. He's got parents, you know who has seven kids? Do you just not care about the you know, the cost of money? You're a poor family, you're having all these kids. Put it this way. I think Percy's the kind of guy who really wants to create a world for his family. He wants to create order and a kind of he wants to create a name for himself because normally not only are the Weasleys considered blood traitors by the uh, by the arrogant pricks who are pure bloods, but they're a family of seven people, or, or seven kids. You know, Percy, all Percy wants is respect. That's all he's asking for. He just, well, he just think, wants to gain... I think everyone after Bill was an accident, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know what? You know, looks, just, like, looks like Arthur's perfectly okay with going to bed with Polly every night. <laughs> 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 you, know, you know what I was just thinking? What if they were waiting to get a girl? Like, for some reason, Molly really wanted a girl. That's why, that's reasonable. Are you sure that can't be magically done? You can't magically okay, do that? obviously you can't magically do that. Wow. Maybe. Well, magic birth <laughs> you could control? call it magic. No, but seriously, though, if they could magically do it, are you sure they would want to single out Ginny like that and, and have 
five boys and one girl. Well, put it this way, okay? I, I think I think Jenny was worth waiting through like what five boys for. I mean, Jenny's Jenny's the the key female. She's she's a strong girl. You know that that's that's pretty good genes. Six boys actually. <laughs> right. No, Bill. Wait, Bill, Charlie, the twins, and Ron, and Percy, and Percy. Ah, uh, f- well. He doesn't count. He's not in the family. He's he's disagreeing with the family. He doesn't count. Well, that wraps up our character discussion about Percy Does Weasley. It? Okay. Shut down. We're running out. We're running out of characters, folks. This is this is saddening. Sad. Yeah, I like we're running out of chapters. I like that segment. You know why? Because it was organized. Why? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. No, Thank it was yeah, not. It was. We went Very. in an orderly fashion. Shh. Oh no. Hey. <laughs> well, folks. Well, folks, it's time to have a little bit of fun here. It's time for this week's Spy on Sparts. Waiting with bated breath. Hey, keep the phone close to the mic. Stop. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Um, well, watching right now. Well, that's fun. Uh, we're recording MuggleCast, and we're spying on Sparts. No, earlier no. We're recording right now. So what's up? Tell me what's up. We're spying on you. Who was that earlier today then? You and Andrew? Uh, no. We didn't. I was at work all day, so. Right. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, that's what I just said earlier. No, no one called. I did not call you earlier. Someone else may have. I tried calling you three times this afternoon, but you didn't answer. I called your house, too. Did, did Papa forget to pay the phone bill? <laughs> no one answered. Uh, why would that have anything to do with the phone bill? Because, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, we're done spying on Sparts, because you're no fun. <laughs> what did you say? No one can understand you, dude. Bye, Emerson. Bye, everybody. I have this great new idea for Spion's Sparts. Ben, you call him up. He says, hey. You say, hey, what are you doing? He answers, and then you just hang up. <laughs> Seriously, do that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be so funny. Okay. <laughs> He's awkward. Okay. Actually, we're redoing Spion's Sparts. We're redoing it. No, don't call him back. We're redoing no. it. Ask him about the costume contest. What are you going to say, though? Yes, okay. Why is the Earth round? Why is the Earth round? Um, how do you know it's round? Because I've been all the way around it, and Columbus said so. How do you know you've been around it? How do you know you haven't just been from one side to the other? Oh, uh, that's a good point. I don't know. Do you think the Earth's round? Uh, why would I think the Earth's round? I mean, I walked from here to the kitchen, and I mean, doesn't, I don't like I'm walking in a giant circle. <laughs> that's true. I don't know. Maybe the Earth isn't round. Emerson's world is... If the Earth was round, think about logic, okay? If the Earth is round, then, and you're on one side of the Earth, why wouldn't you just let it fall off? Like, what's keeping you holding on unless you're right on the North Pole? Gravity? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, er- Eric said gravity. What about gravity? That what? Gravity. That's a myth. Hey, um... Er- hey, Eric wants to know, 
if you realize that it's been 42 weeks since he started the caption contest. 42 months, I mean. 42 months. I was actually planning a surprise 42-month caption contest party for him. Oh, jeez, oh, you're so crap. sweet. Oh. <laughs> it's all ruined. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks, Emerson. Uh, bye. If you have any more questions you know, about the meaning of life or whatever, just... Okay, we will. Why well, does Notre Dame suck? <laughs> hey, uh, my, hey, Micah, Micah has a good question for you. Okay. He wants to know why Notre Dame sucks. Uh, so here's the thing. Notre Dame doesn't suck because I'm pretty sure Micah went to Syracuse, and I'm pretty sure Notre Dame beat Syracuse <laughs> 34 to 10. Oh. <laughs> In football, how about basketball? He said, he said what about basketball? Um, pretty sure basketball doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but he, yet, yet he plays it every day. I'm also pretty sure Notre Dame put up a good fight, though, whereas Syracuse did not put up a good fight in the football field. Yep, Syracuse yep. Syracuse pretty much bent over and took it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think we're done spying on you, Emerson. You, All right, then. You get back to doing whatever you were doing. Talk to you later, buddy. Emerson's world is from his couch to his kitchen. You heard it right here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't All feel right. like I'm walking in a circle. So this week, oh, he's online. You should have just signed him. Anyway, this week, give me a butterbeer once again. Ben, this segment is like the pinnacle of all give me a butterbeer segments. Cast. Oh, this one's a good one. But before we move on to next week's topic... It's pertinent. No, it's pertinent that I clarify something. I received another overwhelming response to last week's topic. Last week, when I talked about the different age groups that read Harry Potter, I claimed that a ten-year-old couldn't read the books on the same level that the people on this show do. I still believe this is true. What? Don't get me wrong. Not all ten-year-olds read it from an adventurous boy wizard point of view. But I'd be willing to bet the majority do. I do apologize, however, to anyone that I have offended. The point that I was trying to make is that different age groups read the book for different reasons. However, there is one common thread for all Harry, that all Harry Potter fans share. They can't wait to find out for themselves what's happening in the next book. Which leads us to this week's discussion. Stop spoiling Harry. On July 15, 2005, the eve of the release of Half-Blood Prince, I was standing in the Hilton Hotel behind MuggleNet's senior systems manager, Damon Brangers, who was typing away at his computer. Unfortunately for me, he opens a link. He opened a link that he received in a chat window, and on the screen, in size 48 font, read, Snape kills Dumbledore. Snape is a Death Eater. And below the text was a scan of the page where Dumbledore dies. Thanks, Damon. Well, perhaps I shouldn't blame Damon. I think my hatred for spoilers goes back a little further. In the spring of 2005, some creative person thought they would be funny and steal a copy of Half-Blood Prince off the back of a truck. Luckily, the thief was caught, but not without doing some damage. Following the theft of the book, bookies holding betting pools for the death of a character in the next book started to receive an extraordinary amount of bets placed on Albus Dumbledore dying. Sure, it may have been just speculation at the time, but when you begin to consider the situation, it all made perfect sense. Spoilers on the web go back as far as Order of the Phoenix. One fateful day in late May 2003, our beloved webmaster Emerson Sparts receives a scan of the page where Sirius Black dies. He's still a little bit bitter about that one. Okay, so I need to be honest. I have spoiled the book for a person or two. 
At the Spellbound release party in Chicago last summer, I took immense pleasure in torturing Matt Vines by saying, hmm, <laughs> dies, or, hey, Matt, I was just going to mention that. You, put a, you wrote a big D on the wall and said, this character dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The last home of the Harry Potter series is likely to be released sometime, ne- sometime next year. The bottom line is, people do not want to know. They want to find out for themselves. Particularly for those of us who run the websites, it's nearly impossible to steer clear of spoilers. As the release of the book nears, we're likely to have a few minor things spoiled for us. As the staff of MuggleNet, we'll pledge to make sure to warn you when we post spoilers on the site. By spoiling the book for those around you, you rob them of the opportunity to genuinely enjoy the book for themselves. Enough is enough. Stop spoiling Harry. I'm Ben Shane, and I say... Give me a butterbean. Ben, you have absolutely no room to talk. You spoiled who died for me in the sixth book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I did not actually spoil anything, and you saw it anyways. Because don't you remember Jeff? It popped up on Jeff's screen. No, what I saw. Don't no, what I saw on Jeff's screen Matthew. is Snape is the Half Blood Prince in like size seventy two font, and I was pretty mad about that too. Okay, D was definitely for dollish. <laughs> I don't think that it's the fans who are spoiling it. I think it's these people who hate Harry Potter, and just you know. Not necessarily. Know, no, no, but... there, there's the big jerkwads who go on the comments on Muggle well, and post, Snape dies! It's why you should deactivate the comments, people, really. So. Because what will happen is what will happen is we'll make a news post and we'll black out the text so you have to highlight it to read it if you want it to, to be spoiled for you. And then some Weisenheimer will take the text and, pay, and paste it into the comments for everyone to read. <laughs> well, at least now you have to log in to do that kind of crap. <laughs> but... But anyway, um, no, about that, uh, Ben mentioned in his, uh, initial give me the, but well, this one, um, he mentioned that it, you know, spoiling the books go back to, I guess he said, uh, Order of the Phoenix, when Sirius died, and, and you, you, like, traced it back to there, and I don't know where your st- statistics are, but, um, if you trace it back to there, it's interesting to say that, well, you know, book four, I guess, was really the first book where, I guess it had the combined release date, right, between the U.S. and... And, and Britain, or was it book five? Yeah. I don't know. Well, okay, so book it was four. book four. So it wasn't exactly what I wanted to make my point on, but I wanted to say that, you know, the more people care about a book, you know, about something like this, the, the it seems like the more people take the opportunity at hand to spoil it. You, you know, they're getting this big crowd. You, you know, nobody really spoiled Goblet of Fire that we know of. For people, but but once Order of the Phoenix was coming out, I mean, it was this huge thing, phenomenon, and and people are starting sending emails to the to the fan sites, and just abusing that. I think the more people that care about something, the more that likely it is that somebody will abuse that care. I think you're also given more information about the books beforehand as the series goes along, so you know to expect certain things in certain books, and so people can pick those out a lot easier. You know, what's stopping somebody from thumbing through the book in the store and just screaming out to everybody in the store that Dumbledore dies on page whatever? <laughs> yeah, 692. <laughs> ben knows it because he shouts at little kitties as he drives by mm-hmm. on his way yep. to the P.O. box. <laughs> I, I shouted at Matt, the Matt Box <laughs> of the world. But well, that's, honestly, uh, the, the classic yeah. video is uh, those guys pulling up in a car in front of the Barnes & Noble and yelling it out. <laughs> and those girls, they scream with, oh, it was it was... It was hard to watch. They were just so upset. They were like, no! <laughs> The camera stopped working. Cause, cause pandemonium. <laughs> but I should do that. Honestly, though, you guys talked about the uh, 
the highlightable text and that kind of thing on MuggleNet. And MuggleNet has a pretty cool, I'll admit it, pretty cool spoiler policy. But I peaked. And you know that? Peaked that's at the what? Truth. <laughs> I, I, I peaked. I got open book five, and you know what I did? I went to Beyond the Veil. And, <laughs> Me and too. I found the second – no, I actually missed it. Yeah. I skipped over it by accident, and then I found the part in book five where Harry is screaming at Dumbledore, who couldn't miss it, you know, capitalization every, every paragraph. But it was so uh, – so Sirius deserved what he got, did he? Sh- like shout at Harry, and Dumbledore's all like, I'm not saying that, but this happened. And, then, and I'm like, oh my god, it's Sirius. And I pulled up to the Barnes & Noble with Galadriel Waters, and I went up to her and I, and, and I said <laughs> – don't mention her. Okay. <laughs> but I, I pulled up. I, we were, we were going to the Barnes and Noble. It was the day after Oak Park, and, and I, I, I skipped ahead, and I, I didn't want to tell anybody. But I went up to Galadriel and I said, I, I know who dies. But I peaked, guy. And, and so you're talking about fans wanting to find out for themselves, but at the same time. I myself couldn't actually wait till I got to it. I actually did peak. So it's interesting because yeah. we give ourselves – and you said you did the same thing. So it's interesting to say that we want to find out for ourselves when we kind of cheat ourselves in, in the same way that other people might cheat us. It's, it's kind of like somebody kind of uh, told me how X-Men 3 was going to go. Some of, some of the things that would happen. They didn't tell me the most of it, but they told me some of it. And I actually thought that it did me good. I thought that watching it, I was able to create a, a different perspective where, where I knew what could happen, so then that I could say, then what? And, and I could kind of view it differently. I don't know. Do spoilers? Are they all bad? Are they all good? And don't we spoil ourselves when we read it? Give well, me X-Men 3 is not exactly as complex as Harry Potter. <laughs> like, that, that was pretty... I don't know. There are parts of the X-Men plot that are just really stupid. But, no, knowing, like... That's fine. Okay, but, like, knowing who the Half-Blood Prince is throughout the entire sixth book just ruins a lot of the suspense because there's all these clues there, and the whole time you're like, well, it's Snape. And it's just yeah. not very exciting. Um, man, I'm sure... I don't know what what you were doing to avoid, uh, you know, finding out who was the Half-Blood Prince, but it got to the point where I was so nervous that I was going to find out that I... Did not read any. I didn't. Email. I didn't read email for two Zero. weeks, like a week before. And I still have a thousand unread messages. Whoops. <laughs> From mid July. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it, it because I had sort of found out. I had glanced at one real quick, but I, you know, I didn't know it had a spoiler. People try to trick you, and then you know. So I just stopped looking yeah. at the email because I didn't want to find out anymore. It stinks. I, ben, I I was in Ohio, and then you wouldn't tell me, but you gave me hints, and I kind of liked that. Like, cause oh, that's right. Yeah, because Ben I, talked to me. Sorry, Micah, but Ben told me about the whole Damon story because I was in Ohio at the time, um, in in Hudson doing doing a, a book release there. I was I was helping with, and so, but Ben told me then, and I, I said, well, who dies and who's the half blood prince and stuff, and he told me that it wasn't like a student or something. Like you gave me different hints, and and like you wouldn't tell me, which I thank you for, but at the same time, I really. You know, I didn't peek for book six. I, I didn't. I didn't really peek that it was Dumbledore. But Ben had told me enough that I really kind of enjoyed the the viewpoint because I thought, well, who else could it be? I was just going to say though that y- you can spoil it just by looking at the image on the Flight of the Prince chapter. I mean, you know who it is just by looking at the picture that's there before it even gets to him saying that he's the Half-Blood Prince. I don't know. You kind of do. But at the same time, Mary Grand Prix doesn't necessarily always illustrate the name of the chapter or the object talking about in the chapter. I mean... That's true. Uh, you know, 
the one in book one with with peeves on it dropping sticks the chapter isn't peeves it's something like you know entering the great hall or something like that but i mean so yeah kind well, of well if you look at page 597 and where it says flight of the prince there's a picture of snape right there micah with with your page numbers and you know your book five in front of me whatever just whatever <laughs> whatever t-ball okay whatever Whatever, Tanny. You're, you're you're too good for me. You really are. I'm sorry. No, but honestly, you're true. Yeah. Well, what, but who reads? Who goes through though? And actually, w- what I do when I get a Harry Potter book, a new one, I read the uh, I read the table of contents. I do just to get an idea of what the chapters say. And I don't I don't know what they say. I don't understand them. I mean, you know, like the 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 uh, legitimacy. You know what the hell is? It? I don't know. But I read the chapters. I read the name of the chapters. In the table of contents, and then I move on to chapter one. But I don't actually go through and see the chapter images of each. You know, does anybody do that? Does anybody actually? I'm sure people do. Turn to the page. Well, that that's actually how I spoiled it for myself with Order of the Phoenix. I turned to the only one he ever feared, and I looked on the opposite page, and it had Harry screaming Sirius's name. And then on the the first page of that chapter, it said, oh. "He's gone, Harry." Said so Lupin. You, you, like, you read no. by first entertaining. See. The chapter headers to me are just entertainment for mid-reading. Like, okay, you just read a chapter, look at this happy picture, and then read on. Like, I don't actually look at the pictures before I get to them in the books. I, I read, I read the right. name of the chapters, but I don't look at the images. I don't okay. Know. Well, that wraps up this week's Give Me a Butterbeer. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future Butterbeers, please shoot me an email at ben at staff.mugglenet.com or by selecting Ben from the drop-down menu on the contact page. Thanks. It's time this week to have a little mini-discussion uh, about uh, this week at Potter History. Is this a segment or a discussion? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I, I like. Uh, we'll have it as a segment when it applies. I came up with this last night. But it's important. Let's let's we'll see what happened this week in Potter. Your history. creative mind is always working. You know it is always working. On June twenty first, two thousand three, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix was released. Where were you? It's just time to reminisce about so where long you are. ago. <laughs> Let me share my story. On June twenty first, I was actually it would be June twentieth. I went to the bookstore at midnight in a local town and uh, I got the book I was with a friend I got the book I ran outside the bookstore and I flipped to the very last page and I saw them saying goodbye and I saw Lupin talking about something on the back page and uh, I automatically assumed that Harry was going to live with Sirius and so I told my friend oh I just read the back page Harry's gonna go live with Sirius why did you tell your friend that Ben yeah that's what that's my story. It wasn't anything but special. But you peaked. Sort of. So that doesn't really, I mean, our whole thing isn't even really closed. I was saying how spoiling. We do it to ourselves anyway. Of course, we always do. Where were you June 21st, Eric? Oak Park. Who were you with? Doing the first ever, uh, you know, MuggleNet oh, event. Oh, right. Hey, who was that Who was that you were with? Uh, Dylan. And no, Emerson was in Europe. Oh, yeah. Why was he there? Emerson was with Jamie. Went to see what, Jamie. No, he was with Jamie, and they did the uh, they did Waterstones, Waterstones Piccadilly, and and they were there for the book five release. And then I was with it was uh, Wizarding World Press, and I set it up with the town of Oak Park, who were doing their event before we came along. They were turning the local stores into Diagon Alley, and then so uh, Galadriel phoned them up and said, "Well, hey, you know." 
I have, I have this associate here who works on this great website, and we are authors of this uh, good Harry Potter book, and so could we help somehow? And then Oak Park said, sure, you know, what do you want to do? And we decided to do the wizard's chest, the live wizard's Anyway, um, but then – so Papa Sparks and Dylan were actually there too. Uh, so I met them. In fact, to this day, until New York, I hadn't met Emerson. I just met his <laughs> family and his little brother. That's funny. His little brother who uh, ate dog food or whatever. Um, you know, so I kind of hung out with uh, them and Galadriel. Anyway, and so that was Oak Park. That was the first book event, and then I was the uh, – I guess you could call me the MC. I was up on stage and oh, announcing that's stuff. That's adorable. With the microphone. It was really funny. My story. I was. I. You see. I was on a mission. I used to. I don't know if many people know this, but I used to run a different Harry Potter website that was uh, Harry Potter's house, second, baby. Second to the nine, only to uh, MuggleNet, and um, yeah, I just did my own little site and got like 500 visitors a day. Called like and, Leaky Cauldron. You know, it, was, it was wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, it was called the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> I I went to the local midnight party just to uh, take pictures for the site and all that. I was like a reporter, you know. I was reporting on it, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's my story. <laughs> Not very exciting. <laughs> Where were you, Micah? I was actually working at Shea Stadium at the time for the New York Mets. I had not even picked up a Harry Potter book at that time. Were you a hot dog vendor, Micah? <laughs> no, I was not a hot dog vendor. <laughs> what did you do at Shea Stadium? I was a marketing intern at the time. So he marketed hot dogs. Jeez, you're 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 a big intern, dude. I know. He marketed hot dogs. Intern everywhere. So I'm sorry that wasn't very interesting, but I didn't yeah, that was really terrible. read the series <laughs> until the Matthew Vines. Where were you? I, He's in Texas on a choir I, trip. No, I was actually um, doing global warming research in Antarctica, and I had to pay Amazon five thousand dollars to ship me the book, but they did. So. I, yeah. I almost believed <laughs> you. Know, that you. was funny. You know I almost believed you. Where were you really, Matt? Oh, yeah. I was I was in Dallas, and I didn't get the book until 8 o'clock that morning. And I actually – we went home that day or the next day. So I was reading it in the car, and I get really car sick when I read. But I had to decide whether or not I wanted – well, whether I wanted to uh, read Harry Potter or throw up. So I chose – I mean, Sorry. Starting over. Well, not really. Sort of starting over. So I had to decide whether or not I was going to read Harry Potter or stop. No. Hang on. Starting over again! Hey, see, who's more annoying when he, who's more annoying when he can't make up his mind? Me or Matt? It's close, I know. You. you. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, not at all. Not close I had all. to decide whether I was going to keep reading and throw up or stop reading. So I chose to throw up, which is really disgusting. But I did finish the book on the way home, so... It was exciting. Last segment for this week, Chicken Soup for the Muggle Castle. This one comes from Kyla, 14, of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Sorry if I got your name wrong. She writes, Hey, Mugglecasters and Micah. I live in Louisiana and was evacuated for Hurricane Rita last September. Laura and you guys were one of the only pieces of relief I had in a really, really, really tiny Texas town while I was worrying about if I had a home still. You made me breathe a little easier. I didn't come back and my house had a little damage, though thanks to y'all, I wasn't going crazy. I'd like to say that Andrew rocks and Laura has great theories. I did not pick this one because it said that. I didn't even know it did. <laughs> and thanks, Kyla. So, thanks, Kyla, and uh, we need to make a list of everything that MuggleCast does. Soothe babies, prevent illness... Stop headaches. Write giant somehow. D's in front of Matt Vines. Because <laughs> Deadly Matt. dies in book five. 
Well, I just wanted to thank you guys, though, because while I was flying, I did listen to MuggleCast the entire time, both to and from Jeez, Las Vegas. Jeez, what episodes? Aww. What episodes? Um, the I think like 34 through 39. Oh, wow, that's awesome. All right, well, that does wrap up episode 44 of MuggleCast. Next week, we will bring back listener rebuttals. It's been a crazy time around here, people, because um, we've all been finishing up school. Ben's been finishing up farting around. Micah was out of the office. Yeah, Micah was out of the office. <laughs> it's been crazy. We'll get back on track next week with voicemails and all that. See, Kevin does the voicemails. If he doesn't do it, we don't know how to, so... That's bullcrap. Because <laughs> he, like, has this... No, I tried earlier today, and, like, all the voicemails weren't there because he, like, downloads them all. So, anyway, we'll be back to normal format. Well, not normal format. We'll bring back... Uh, listener no voice rebuttals and voicemails next week don't forget if you have a question comment or suggestion I was going to say question comment question suggestion (laughs) please email mugglecast at staff.mugglenet.com voicemails can be directed to 1-218-20-MAGIC Australian numbers are now available in Skype it's now a matter of us just not being lazy and then we will purchase one (laughs) Um, you can also Skype the username mugglecast to leave a voicemail, please keep your message under 30 seconds. Listener rebuttals can also be sent into MuggleCast at staff.mugglenet.com. MuggleCast, <laughs> boy, we're building up our <laughs> thing here. So that does it for episode 44. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I am Ben Shane. I am Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Matthew Vines. We'll see everyone next week once again for episode 45. Good night, everyone. Has a somewhat melodramatic nature. She she interprets things in a way that way that to her way that makes her the most way that to her makes the most sense. What happens when Eric loses his Skype connection and gets called by other fans while we're recording the show? <sighs> of course, he just cannot resist. Hello. Hi. What's up? What's going on? You guys, uh, you cut you cut me off a muggle cast. I was, uh, I'm just recording with the guys. I, I'm, I, I'm. Re- Yeah, I, I'm recording the show right now. This is uh, this is being set on my recording of the show. So like uh, about an hour, they they probably won't hear you. They'll Andrew will just hear me in, interrupting everybody like with a completely different tone and no because they can't hear you. So I gotta go and you're on my recording. You so I have to leave and get back in sync with the show. Okay, bye. Uh, Freaking Skype people. That's what Ben gets for not answering me.